0: In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic.
1: I am Nick Slavic. I am the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I am also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook show, an Instagram show, and YouTube show where I use my three decades of experience as a master craftsperson and trades business entrepreneur to kind of showcase the life of. This is what it's like to love yourself, uh, love love the love your trade. Um, love the life you've created, love the craft, love everything else. This is just uh, a showcase of that. Um, This is show number three, three, six. That means for 336 weeks, in a row i've been broadcasting live about this mission that we're on here tonight uh, a couple of things you're going to notice differently which is i have a dark background and you'll see a little bit more of me because i am uh, broadcasting live from my desktop instead of my laptop uh, my laptop is cell enabled for some reason cell service is not working so we are adapting and we're moderating so what you're probably going to find is that the the Stream might be a little choppy. Um, we are going off my farm internet out here. We do not have fiber, we do not have any of that, uh, you know, uh, Starlink Elon Musk stuff out here. It is a bare copper wire in the ditch, and you guys are gonna have to put up with it tonight. So, just kind of is what it is. Um, 66, 67 degrees today in mid November. This is wild here. This is uh, not what we normally expect from Minnesota. We are also smack dab in the A season of deer gun hunting in Minnesota. So I've been doing a hybrid work schedule where I'm in the stand in the morning, in the evening, and then sort of supporting my team during the day. So uh, out and about doing stuff. Um, I just had a master's class. Oh, I should I should actually intro the show here. So um, We are going to be doing another Mastering the Basics show tonight. Uh, And I am prepping for a monster January and February of Mastering the Basics. You guys know that's when I typically go back through and we go back hardcore on the fundamentals, the nuts and bolts. I give you all my templates and we go forward. Tonight, scheduling. So most people, uh, when they ask me a question, they ask a painter guy. Number one, it's usually like, you know, how do I grow my business? Number two, what do you charge for X? And always in the top three. Uh, of the most frequently asked questions are, how do you schedule? And it's a weird one, right? It's like, yeah, you just call somebody, you tell them when you're going to be there. But anybody who's ever had to do that before, anybody who runs a business knows how difficult that can be. It is deceivingly difficult. And I'm going to give you a treatise, a master's class, a deep dive on it tonight. Uh, And this will be one in the series of mastering the basics uh, of scheduling. So, and I just realized when I raised my hands, I changed the lighting of this thing. So uh, bear with me, I'm going to minimize myself. And then uh, I will be, uh, I will be projecting here and sharing all my screens. I got stuff to show you guys. Uh, Let me just refresh my feed, make sure we're coming through clean. I'm I'm really curious to see what this video looks like. And I'm going to, well, I guess that's not too bad. I'm watching myself on the, uh, on the split screen over here. Yes, it's a little grainy it's a little choppy but the audio will come through well so uh okay everybody get to it then all right let's go through a little sorry let me just minimize my screens here get everything arranged as we like um, first a little bit of housekeeping here um master's classes i'm rounding out the year with like a mini midwest master's class tour. So we just did my homecoming show, Minnesota, uh, last Friday. We did it at the Graco world headquarters. We saw the entirely new remodeled expanded building. Um, we saw all the robots. We saw a world-class company being world-class, doing world-class things with world-class people. Uh, Sherwin-Williams put on the event, uh, co-sponsored it. And again, world-class company, has been world-class for a long time. It's been a lot of fun uh, interacting with those companies, collaborating. We had a monster class. There about 70 people in the class there. Uh, amazing day of sharing. Jason Paris, my good friend and confidant, was there as well. Uh, to share in some of the professionalization presentations. And it was wonderful. Now, Nebraska, Nebraska people, I'm coming. This is the first time I've ever been to Nebraska. So, Nebraska, Friday, November 18th at the Liberty First Credit Union Arena. Milford, Ohio. Milford, Ohio. Friday, December 2nd, Little Miami Brewing Company. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, Michigan. I see Lauren Fink in there. Uh, Michigan um, Friday, December 9th. Uh, we're going to be all over this. It is going to be so much fun. Aaron, uh, you know, coming back to Ohio, coming into the Michigan area, uh, shooting distance for you too. I know I'll see you there. Uh, Aaron, I've also been watching you, uh, uh, eating McRibs like they're never going to be available again. We're praying for you. Take care of yourself, man. And uh, a little bit of exercise, the creek water and listen to some classical music. When all this is done, we'll fix you right up. So, uh, do your McRib experiment, eat those McRibs. But uh, we're all thinking about you, Aaron, and uh, praying for you. So, all right, everybody, schedule master's class. Oh, sorry, last thing before we get going here the PCA's monster initiative uh, that Jason Paris and I have been working on for the last year. The business. Accelerator. Uh, The initial base cohort, our test cohort, has gone through. It's a small group of people with a learning management system and quizzes. It's basically a boot camp, a mini master's class. Well, a real master's class on how to grow your business. The PCA already offers world class history leading painter training, and now we offer business owner training. They are accepting um, uh, participants' uh, applications for the first. Uh, public cohort going on now. And I think there was only a couple slots left in that we will be doing multiple of these a year. If you guys like ask a painter, if you like my master's classes, if you like the things that Jason Paris says, us, these are our thoughts, our actions, everything we've ever done in our businesses combined into these, this learning management system uh, where you will be taught how to run a business, the way that industry leaders do. This is content created, subject matter experts in our industry. I will tell you, um, please, please, please get in on this. We have poured our hearts, poured our souls into this thing. And literally, when we talk about changing an industry, this is going to be the thing that does it. It's good people being dog-whistled to coming around the PCA with other like-minded individuals who want to make this industry better, getting into the business accelerator, running a professional business so that when we do find all those decent human beings, all those awesome apprentices, those young, happy people that do want to share our passion of this craft with us, we need to have a professional business in order to be ready for them. That's it. Enough. Let's talk about scheduling. You guys know where to find this stuff. There's links in here to the master's classes. There's links to the PCA in there. You guys know how my life has changed after this. Uh, in a couple of weeks, the uh, Thanksgiving time show, I have one of the special shows I've ever done and ever will do for you guys. So, go uh, up. This year is a very special year for me. This is my 15th anniversary of running my business, loving my craft, loving this beautiful little freedom machine I made. And I have a very special show to commemorate that time with all of you. So, all right. Screen share time, scheduling people. You guys have sat through um, eight minutes of me rambling here. I probably could have explained scheduling in eight minutes. So let's get to it. This is Ask a Painter Live three three six, mastering the basics, as you guys have known to come uh, to love. We are going to talk about scheduling. So the friction. This is so friction filled. It's deceivingly friction filled. I don't have enough room on this slide to list all the variables, but think about this. When you choose an interior wall paint, there's a couple of var- variables. You want it to stick, you want it to hide, you want it to go on well, you want to have a nice shine, and you start meandering it down. You start uh, calling those variables and it to come to a very um, easy decision at the end most of the time. The problem with schedule is um, there are infinite variables that goes into a schedule. Number one, your people, your W2s and your subs, their attendance and their production. That's a variable, right? Big variable. Clients. That's a whole nother variable. We are not doing business to a business. Most of the time I am a residential repainter. I do business to consumer, not business to business. And, um, we, uh, if I'm being honest, we're probably going to do 650 jobs this year. And we will likely be judged on 650 different rating scales by 650 different clients. Every time that is a monster variable. That is a monster variable. Weather, my God, it is 66 degrees on November 9th. In Minnesota, we could have painted outside today if it wasn't pouring rain all day. That is a monster variable, and it's not just rain days and sunny days. It's dew, it's wind, it's frost, it's all all uh, all manner of other things out there. Job sites. We are in the business of mass. Customization. So there is mass production, right? We will make cheeseburgers and you can come get one to our location if you want one. There's mass customization where we take a customized product that's relatively streamlined, but cust- customizable for each client to the client mass customization. And then there's customization. I am an artist. I'm going to make a sculpture. There's only going to be one in the world. You're going to give me the specs and we're going to do it. So you can see the scale there. There's mass production, mass customization, and then customization. We are mass customization. This would be a heck of a lot easier if we made one product and people came to us, but that's not what we're in. We have to go to 650 houses this year, 650 clients, many of our own people under the weather, everything else, uh, variables of weather. And we have to produce something and we'll be judged 650 different ways this year. There's a lot of variables in what we do. Material availability. For the first time in my life over the last couple of years, I've had to to think about and burn calories about what kind of painter we're going to use. Can we get it? Is there enough to finish this project? That has not been a variable in the past. Your data and your info. How much data and info are you getting? Or are you running a, a company completely on feelings? Project anomalies. So this is like an easy one, right? Somebody adds some rooms, minuses some rooms, you run into something unexpected, you run into surfactant leaching on a job, things like that. These are change orders. All those things will change scheduling. So no, no wonder this isn't just a simple thing. And no wonder there is no app where you can plug in your humans, uh, your clients, Uh, in your employees and your subs, and you can feed in some weather data, feed in some material data, and it tells you exactly when that project is going to start and when is it going to end. So why do we worry so much about scheduling? We worry about scheduling because every single client always, well, they usually ask two things on an estimate. Uh, They ask something about price, Something about paint, and then last. But when can you start? And whatever you say, you're going to be held to. Even if you give a series of times like that, they're going to pick the higher, the low, whatever serves uh, whatever the what serves a client better. That's human nature, right? That's just who we are. Having good data and predict, having a predictable way to tell your clients or potential clients when you're going to start, when you're going to end, builds trust. I have a list of like 11 or 13 things that all contractors do bad. I take it out every year. I remind myself why I do what I do. It's kind of a guiding principle of the company. And uh, one of the things of the 11 or 13 things, I can't remember how many that clients do bad is they don't show up. They show up late. They don't call. They don't communicate about their showing up late. They show up and then they leave again. Then they come back at some uh, undetermined time in the future. It's all over the place. You wonder why contractors have a bad um, stigma about them. It's because of that. We don't do a lot of the basic things very well. And having a predictable schedule, putting some thought into it, will build trust. So this is our schedule. This is nothing simpler than this. Technology is not the thing that solves scheduling. It is a stream of data, trustworthy data and humans that solve scheduling. This is nothing more than a color-coded spreadsheet. People say, hey, Nick, send me that template. There is nothing on here but a spreadsheet with words in it. Colored blocks. We put in some colors to to signify the cruise. There's no equations. There's no feeding from other stuff. There is nothing else. This is just a simple way of charting the days of the week, the humans that we have uh, in our production line, and the jobs that we're going to do. So. On our schedule, crews and subs. Uh, crews, you can see we have numbers, we have colors. Uh, every crew has a number, numbered crew. Uh, they have a numbered locker, they have a numbered van uh, in our company as well. Uh, there's also a color, so all their gear is color coded, and this is just another way of maximizing the usefulness of this uh, of this sort of schedule here. Um, what you notice is that, uh, the bright teal on there, uh, this one happens to be week of July 4th, give or take. So you can see, I just wanted to pick one with some days that were off on here for you guys. So we label on there, uh, bright teal, the, the times that people have off. This could be vacation. It could be sick. It could be medical. It could be military leave, things like that. But every uh piece of uh every uh, technological asset that we have i like to make it into a visual quick reference so when you look at this you can see like oh my gosh like not only do we have monday off we got a bunch of people off one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven working days are going to be missed this week and and no no doubt it's because the holiday week but you're losing 11 potential working days so that's basically like a single painter missing two weeks in a day of work we're missing that amount of production that week and that kind of gives you a visual reference now projects what you can see here is you can guys see my let's see you see the mouse on there no mouse oh yeah there's a little mouse in there okay so basically what i wanted to show you guys is on the left uh there is the crews and the names um in the middle there is project names. And when we put a project on there, we put it in purple, which means tentatively scheduled black means it is hard scheduled. We have told the client that's the day we're going to be there. And we move on from there. <clears throat> and everybody oh my god we got a lot of people watching here too uh, i will take any of your questions any of your comments uh live streaming here i got my whole setup here uh, dual screen i'm seeing all your guys comments in real time streaming along to the side here and uh, just let me know if i can stop and elaborate on anything for you guys uh, that you see so okay secrets of scheduling people um this is another one of those conversations in a long conversation of unsatisfying conversations that we have that is not easy folks there's lots of variables it takes effort intentionality it's a unsexy mundane simple thing that you have to do every day for the rest of time really well that just is what it is there's not really a solve for this you don't do it once and it never shows up again this is a daily thing in my company so what we need is data folks data and feelings The feelings are going to be there whether you want them or not. Uh, We are absolutely going to use some data. Uh, David Kelly, this is all Google. Uh, everything is based in Google drive. This happens to be a G sheet. David was asking what software do you use to make your charts? Like I mentioned about three minutes ago, this is nothing more than a G sheet with some very simple math on it. This is nothing crazy. This is not custom software. Uh, I want something that's infinitely customizable as my business girls. And, uh, I love messing with this stuff to make it what, uh, uh, to make it what I want it. So David Kelly, thanks for the question. Appreciate that number one, one of the simplest things we can do is, well, how long is this project going to take? There's a math problem that will actually tell you that with some unknowns and some unknowns. So think about this. We come up with project budgets, not only so we can tell our clients how long a project will potentially take uh, and how when the projects stack up in our queue, how many projects are there, how many hours in each project so we can tell a client how many weeks or days or whatever we're out. But we also want to incentivize the painters with a lot of pain, a lot of benefits, but they're also going to have to hit project budgets in order to make sure that the company is profitable. So here's how we actually determine like on this project, this happens to be a kitchen cabinet project here. It's a fifty six hundred and fifty dollar kitchen cabinet project. And uh, in order to tell that crew, hey we got to get this job done in X days, X weeks, X hours. We actually have a math problem. Um, so what we do, we start off with revenue. Revenue is what you're going to charge the client, the total price. It'll be on the estimate. It'll be on the invoice. This is, this is the money they will pay you for the job. You want to minus out materials because when, when a human uh, works on a job, they're not the, you have to, Car out some money for the paint because there's a paint budget and there's a labor budget. You only want them working towards the labor budget. That would not be fair, vice versa, if the material budget was borrowing from the labor budget and vice versa. So we take out the materials, revenue minus materials. In my company, we make a prediction that materials will likely be 15%, give or take. Then we divide by the desired revenue per hour uh that we want to do uh in years past the baseline was always 55 then 60 then 65 we've started uh, basing um uh, budgets at 65, maybe a year or two ago, give or take. And uh, you want to make sure that this keeps pace with what the company needs to run uh, within uh, with inflation and the economy, if you can determine that uh, the best you can. But otherwise, you just want to make sure that you set this at a, at, a, at a rate where if they get it done in that many hours, they will have theoretically produced X amount of revenue per hour. And our goal is 65 uh, at this point. Uh, our, our craftspeople in our company are likely of probably somewhere between the 90 and the 150 revenue per hour and our and our apprentices, depending on where they are in the program, are usually between thirty and forty dollars an hour and maybe seventy dollars an hour give or take depending on uh, their personality and and, uh, and what part of the apprenticeship program they're in here. So basically on a job like this, how many hours is this job supposed to take? Well, we'll show you right here. minus 15%, then divide by $65 an hour, which means we got to get this total budget done in 73.9 hours. And one of the innovations that we made this last year is that uh, we break up because we have a finishing facility. We break up the budget between what gets done on site and what gets done in the shop. And so we basically have a, an equation where we, we allocate about 20 minutes per door and drawer in the shop for finishing time and about 45 minutes for Passage door uh, in the shop for finishing time. So if there's uh, our, our prototypical kitchen cabin is between 37 and 40 doors and drawers. If you have a 40 door and drawer kitchen and uh, you want to m- make a shop budget in my company, it's 20 minutes. So 20 times 40, you give you 800 minutes. Divide by 60, that'll tell you how many hours in the shop. So basically, we have 13 hours of shop finishing time on all the doors for this. Uh, it's probably about a mm, yeah. I'm not going to guess. The math is all right there. Uh, There's about a 13 hour shop budget and about a 60 hour budget uh, for the actual site here. So, John Penu, uh, when confirming projects, do you do set a date or tell your clients uh, that they are in the queue with a certain notification time before crews show up? Having some major brain cramps over our scheduling recently. So thank you for this. Yeah. So there's no real answer to that. Right. What the client wants is a guaranteed start and end date with no fluctuations in between. And we know we can't give that to them. And they know that's not going to happen because humans are humans. There's too many humans in this process. So, John, honestly, I'm going to have a couple slides later to help you out with this. But setting expectations is one of the most important takeaways I want you guys to have from scheduling, which is. We think that the client wants that exact date. Let's say on on July 11th, we're going to start at 7 a.m. And on July 16th at 4.31 p.m., we're going to be done. And this is exactly what's going to happen each day. And you know what, though? We are mass customizers. We are taking a custom product to a custom person in custom and a custom job site under custom weather conditions. And we're going to do our best with a whole bunch of people who are either been in the craft a long time or not. And that is what it is. So setting proper expectations uh, is very, very important. So one of the things I'll say, and I'll get into this later, John, is Mrs. Smith, right now you're fourth in the queue. If every single job that said yes before you triggers in that order and nothing changes on those jobs... And all my people show up for work every day and we can get all the materials we, can get, we need for those jobs without any interruptions. And the weather allows us to produce at our normal standard rate every single day. We are five and a half weeks out for you. Now, Mrs. Smith, if you can tell me what those variables are going to do over the next five and a half weeks, I'll tell you the exact working day. But until then, that's the best I can give you. Now, I will give you an update whenever you like. Feel free to email me. Otherwise, um, I'll let you know when we get about a week out, and that's about the best you can do. Any reasonable human will say, "Oh, absolutely, I completely understand." If that's what we're working with, yeah. Uh, thanks for that. I'll keep in touch. You know, something like that, John. So, all right. Next one, the Q. The Q. So this is a worksheet I made years ago. Uh, this is basically just another G sheet where I list all the jobs how ready they are. You can see the check boxes, the revenue per each job. And then on the top, this is a sneaky little thing where I wanted to say, okay, let's add up all the revenue for these jobs. And this is just a math problem. Again, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Uh, at this time, when I screenshotted this queue, we had $355,000 of interior work uh, in the queue, which means uh, we had about... 5,500 labor hours. Cause you know, you can, this is a known thing. You have so many employees that work 40 hours a week, 2,000 hours a year. You can figure that out, which means then we have about 9.2 weeks of work or 2.3 uh, months of work on the books. Now here's the cool thing. So you can see, and I know the, the mouse is, is, is kind of too small for you guys to see here, but so the, the, the thinking is always, okay, let's go to line 13, 14, 15. Joan Johnson wants to know when her walls are going to get done. And one thing that I did uh, that got cut off in this screenshot, but on the left-hand side, if you do a simple math problem of how many people in your company working, how many hours, and then, You figure out the hours per each job in this thing. If somebody number 14 down the queue goes in there, I actually segment these off. Each four lines on this is about a week out in my company. So what you'll do is you go one, two, three. Uh, Joan Johnson ends up being about uh, three and a half uh, segments down one, two, three. So that's about three and a half weeks. So again, I would have this conversation if Joan calls up and said, listen, here's a deal. You are in the queue in the order in which you said, yes, I have to give priority to every single person who said yes before you. Now that doesn't always happen. Some people are waiting on colors or carpenters, but here's the thing, Joan. If every single person who said yes in front of you goes in that order and their jobs don't change and all my people show up every single day and we produce and none of those jobs change at all. You are three and a half weeks out now based on those variables, it might go sooner. It might go later. Do you need any updates in between now and then? I'm happy to give them to you. That's all we do. But a lot of these things that are unknown, this is a simple math problem, a way of figuring out just doing some logic test uh, in your company. Now, secret to scheduling people, <laughs> this is something we doubled down on this year and in profit uh, profitability has increased, increased on an insane way. So in quarter two of this year, uh, about 65% of our jobs hit our pretty rigorous budgets. Uh, In quarter three, which we just finished up, 85% of our jobs hit those pretty rigorous budgets, which means we had about a 33% increase in profitability, profitable jobs in one quarter, basically doing this. We reverted back from spreadsheets, back from my colorful Google sheets and things like this to basically caveman, cavewoman, pen and paper. And this is something we've been doing for the 15 years of my company. I tried to spreadsheet this a while ago, and we only had about 10% compliance with making a plan for each project. We reverted back to black Sharpie and floor paper, and we have 100% compliant every single day now with our people. Almost always unprompted, which is a great thing. That's how you know you set up a good system when your people function in it well and the result is better. So here's the deal. This is called the project plan. On this sheet, uh, you can see my my cartoon head in the live feed is blocking the upper right-hand corner, but what you can see is there's a thing that says budget and plan. So the budget, which you can't see the number, I didn't block those on a perfect, it's 56.9 for this project. The plan, the crew plan for 52 hours, and this is actually one I made with the crew wednesday thursday and because we don't work friday four-day work week we come back to monday and then part of every good project plan is we keep a running list of things to do things to get and then any questions you have on the job site so um updates this is absolutely critical to scheduling if most people struggle with scheduling because you have to guess how far the jobs are we have a process this is what happens every single day in my company This is basically the secret of how we schedule. Number one, there's a thing called the 8 a.m. project plan. We start at 7. Every crew by 8 a.m. has to post one of these things. And typically, I go to about three or four job sites a week and kick them off with crews like this. My two project managers also uh, are there on site to help kick these off this is called the 8 a.m project plan steve lockwood this will absolutely be archived forever on facebook and on youtube so uh, once the live feed is over you can just scan back to the start skip back to the start and watch right over again um 8 a.m project plan every crew has to post one of these by 8 a.m we plan for 10 under budget on every project and the most effective One of these is in person with a leader in the company, working with the crew and together making a plan in real time on paper, working through the ins and the outs, looking for the roadblocks, the points of friction, getting buy-in from the entire team. Um, When I came up with this initiative, it's called active leadership, active planning. We need an active leader with an active plan and holding people accountable. The first 12 projects I touched when we did this all went under budget. With, without, I mean, in the previous quarter, it was only 65%. The first 11 projects I took, touched one under budget with this. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of the team effort and us combining our wisdom into these projects. We have a noon check in our two project managers give a quick uh, pulse check on the entire company. Everybody is working. They get a um, uh, a little poke and it says, are you on track or off track with this plan? And if a crew says we are drastically off track, we rally the troops and we get there and we see if we can support them to get it back on track. This is the magic, the 3 p.m. update. The 3 p.m. update is a format on Slack. We use Slack for all our communication. So, this is a searchable archive of everything we do by job and everything else. It's really cool. Um, 3 p.m. update, it is a format. They copy and paste the format. First of all, we want to know the budget of the project. We want to know what percentage of the budget is used, what percentage of the job is complete and then major milestones. And people have innovated this uh, over the years. It's really cool. But either way, what we're trying to look at is how much of the job budget have you used up Does it correlate to how much work got done? And just because we want to make sure what actually got done. So then we can actually track the plan to verify that when somebody says, you know, on this, Jen was going to do formal dining room in the office today. Did you get the formal dining room done by noon? And are you going to get the office done this afternoon? So we actually have some touchstones in there. So, um And then at the end of the day, there's some basic updates where painters, the last 10 or 15 minutes of every day, they update their hours on our work orders. They update the paint usage and they upload some before and after pictures and things like that, too. So once in a while, somebody will say, boy, Nick, that you're asking your painters to do a lot. And I will say, really, what do you think of people? This is basically asking somebody, what are you going to do today? (laughs) What are you going to do tomorrow on this project? Think think more than just the next 10 minutes here. Also, on noon, how you doing? are you doing? Are, based on that plan, are you good or not? Are you able to do this or this? The 3 p.m. update, tell me your progress on your plan. And then at the end of the day, how many hours did you work today? Type that in. How much paint did you use? Type that in. If you think that is above your painters, you don't think much of your painters. This is just simple clerical work that you can ask everybody to do. Now, There is one little secret to it, which is um, most of this will not just get done on its own or because you ask people. That's just human nature. Uh, People move towards entropy and chaos. If you put this in their compensation plan, they will absolutely do it. And uh late earlier this year, we actually put this as one of the three things that we rate our people on on a stoplight system, whether they're able to get a raise or not. I I offer a pretty rip and comp plan. You get basically a dollar an hour every three months. That's about 50 working days in my company. If you do three simple things: your attendance, which is the biggest gimme on the planet, you show up for work, you get a green light. 30% 30% of your of uh, the way to a bonus. 75% of your projects have to hit uh, this hourly budget. And you have to do these four things, these updates every day, 90% without being unprompted. So, really, you show up for work, you type a couple numbers into your phone, you're 66% of the way of getting a dollar an hour every 50 days in my company. Now, you work with us to get these budgets, which my people are doing. And guess what? You get a dollar an hour every three months you're with my company. Big carrot. Big stick, teamwork, big incentive. Magically, in in one quarter, we went from about 10% com- people complying with this unprompted 100% of the time to now we're at about 95% in the matter of about a month of changing this. So that tells you what a good incentive is for something like that. Why do we ask for all this stuff? This stream allows my people to get the data they need to put out a schedule by 4 p.m. every single day. And that's it right here. Um, Oh, Justin has a Sharpie ever bled through the paper and marked the wall behind it? No, it is not. Uh, I might write fast, though. I don't know, though. So (laughs) but typically we're doing this on a surface where they're going to paint on a countertop or uh, in the work area. We don't typically do this in uh, another finished area of the house. We don't like touching those. So here's what happens. That 3 p.m. update comes in. Uh, Our two project managers are sitting here in the office and I'm usually there with them. This information is streaming in from the crews and all they have to do is look at the schedule. And if that crew is on track, the schedule doesn't change because they allocate the number of days for the number of hours that the project is. I love hearing their chatter in the afternoon. Uh, They're, they're, doing like a game of Tetris of like, hey, the Cowles project is a 35-hour project. I got a Jones project, which is a 15-hour project. What do you got, Holly? And Holly will say, oh my gosh, I got this 300-hour trim project like that. If we put that piece, excuse me, that piece here and there, I think we can fill that week up. That'll be good. And then I love I love this when they talk about, well, this crew has a specialty in this. They really take well to these jobs. This crew needs that experience. So we should, we should maybe think about doing that with them. But also... what i like is they're like oh my gosh this job is close to that painter so if that crew has that competency maybe we should schedule that jones job near them it'll save them that drive time in the morning it's an amazing amount of variables that they put together and uh, they really really fight to take care of our painters which is uh, makes me very happy so data comes in at 3 p.m the team collaborates for about a half an hour they put the schedule out Every day by 4 p.m., schedule is out. Once in a while, uh, some jobs will go late. A painter will work till 5, 6, 7 p.m., and we have to wait for the update. They basically have the schedule ready to go. They just need that one little piece of data to uh, to see if they need to trigger another job or something. But um, this is not. The trades are horrible at this. The trades typically will, you know, uh, your, your boss will text you at 545 in the morning. Hey, you need to be 45 minutes away here ASAP. Uh, today. Here's an address. That's ridiculous. We should be better planning than that. Uh, Every day at 4 PM painters can go there. They can see which job they're on. If it's a new job, they can go into the Google drive, look at images of the job, look at where the address is, look at what kind of paint and prep for the next day. It gives them time to react. So it's not this, I'm going to text you at four in the morning and you got to jump, things like that. Lessons learned, folks. Constant updates for clients. So this is something that in in an ideal world, I would have daily updates for every client in the queue, right? But at some point, too much information is not helpful to most people. Um, and really what we do is kind of like uh, we judge each client on their own merit. Some people need a lot of handholding. They need a lot of reassurance. They need a lot of constant updates about schedule. And a lot of times I don't hold it against them and I don't blame them because contractors are pretty bad at this. So they either put down a down payment or they they schedule something and they don't hear until the day before. Then that client's like, yeah, sorry, my other job took me a little longer. I'm going to need another day. And it's a frustrating process. So what I want is constant updates for clients. It does not work. And my team does not uh, allow me to follow through with that. What we do is we just do the reasonable thing where when a client asks, obviously, and then also they can be proactive if they can, uh, if they can think like, well, listen, if I just send an email today, it's been a week or two since we talked to that person. They they seem like the person that would, uh, type of person that would really value this. They will send them an update too. So, uh, not a big deal, but it's just, uh, it's a, it's kind of an ad hoc system, give or take absenteeism. So here's the deal folks. Um, Some things you hear and some bits of advice that you get are completely horrible. Um, There's a lot of the social media advice from these uh, big, loud, boisterous people who scream a lot and say cuss words that are not great advice. And it's not based in data. And sometimes it's not even based in feelings. They're just saying things that sound good and everybody kind of nods their head. Um, I've been fortunate to run into a lot of people who to say very boring, mundane things to me, but things that have absolutely proved to be true. Um, Nick LaGrasso, one of my favorite people in the industry, uh, maybe four or five years ago, he said, Nick, when you grow your company big, and this is at the time I maybe had a painter, give or take. He goes, When you grow your company big, here's one thing you need to know 15% of all of your people are going to be gone every day. 15% of your workforce is going to be gone. If you have a 100 employees in your company every single day, 15 of them will not be there. And this doesn't mean they're bad people or it's nefarious reasons. It could be um, a death in the family. It could be sick. It could be vacation. It could be PTO. It could be a personal day. It could be a, um, voting yesterday, uh, in the elections. It could be a children's veterans day program tomorrow, which is, uh, uh, veterans day, uh, things like that, uh, or the celebration of veterans day. It could be any of those things, but 15% of your workforce is going to be gone. And I am thankful for people like Nick LaGrasso who are sharing that info with me, things like that. So, um, in the time of COVID, this number has increased. Um, uh, I have some data for you guys uh, that I track pretty closely in my company. Um, We, in one quarter of this year, we lost out on about 75 human working days, 75 human working days in one quarter because people were not at work. It could be for good reasons. It could be for bad reasons. But um, since we work a four-day work week, there's only 50 working days in a quarter, give or take. And in quarter four of this year with Thanksgiving and Christmas, I think there's only 47 working days, but yet there's a lot of absenteeism. And I saw this increase greatly in the time of COVID. Uh, People just got used to not working so much. And um, that's why I, I, I need people here. When we offer a full-time job and somebody accepts it and signs on the line that says, I'm accepting a 40 hour a week job, uh, we need them to fulfill that. Just like uh, as an employer and as employers, if we offer a full-time job, we have to offer them 40 hours. I break myself. My team breaks themselves to, to make sure that we give people 2000 hours a year, 40 hours a week. In the history of this company, 15 years now, we have never laid a human off. We have never laid a human off. We've had an unlimited overtime policy, and we beg people to work extra hours. And we can't usually make it happen. Just how it is. Um, in the, after the time of COVID, a lot of this stuff changed. And it's just a new reality. So I would probably assume that 10 to 20% of your workforce will be gone at any time Uh, at any day for, for good and bad reasons, uh, give or take. So setting proper expectations. This is the key folks. So just like I said, uh, John, you were asking about this. Um, People always say like, how do you schedule? And what they really want to say is I can't seem to find an easy way to tell my clients when we're going to show up and when we're going to leave things like that. So here's the deal. That answer does not exist. If if you, yeah, okay. It does exist, right? We know that if, when we're done with a project, we can always look back in hindsight, and say, okay, that's when that project started and stopped, but we can't be predictive like that. You can, but the problem is whatever you say, you will be held to that standard and that standard will not, will not do you any favors. So you do, you want to be honest. You want to be as accurate as you can, but you're going to pin yourself to something. And even if you give a range of dates, a lot of the time, this is human nature. If you say, yeah, we're probably one to three weeks out to paint your cabinets, that client if they're super interested in getting their cabinets done, we'll say, "Great, you can start in a week. That's awesome." If uh, if they're waiting on a paycheck or they're waiting on a contractor, they'll be like, "Good, he's three weeks out, so I'll just get my stuff done and we'll do that." Well, we don't know that. We don't know. You may bump up in the queue. You may go back. The other problem is when we're doing estimates, people say, "Well, how far out are you?" Well, if you say yes now, I can tell you what it looks like now. But then the problem is in August. If you say, if you get an estimate in August and then wait till mid-September to say yes, September is one of our craziest demand months of the year, that that wait time may double at that time. And you say, well, listen, you said one to three weeks, now three to six, what the heck? It says, yes, you waited four weeks. The data I had at the time was 100% accurate and I was being honest with you. <laughs> That's how it goes here. So, um, John Pennu, how does your absentee percentage affect your decision-making? Well, in the schedule, we can't overschedule, which is? The next slide, a <laughs> great segue, Mr. John. Um, you always have to have a little loose time in the schedule. Do not chase the perfect plan don't plan for perfect. Do not ever plan. Every single human you employ or subcontract work to will show up reliably every single day. You got to build in a little slush time. Don't leave days unscheduled, but you just have to be realistic about it. So when a client says, how many days is this kitchen going to take? It's like, wow, you know, it could be anywhere from four to seven, give or take lots of variables in there, but four to seven. So that's what we're going to try to hit for you. If it goes shorter, we'll tell you if it goes longer, we'll tell you. Um, if I'm being honest, John, absenteeism uh, really affects the way I recruit for the company, which is if 15% of our workforce is going to be gone, I'm going to hire 15 to 20% more employees to make sure that we have the amount of people at work that we need every day and that we fulfill the hours that we need. Uh, after all, I, I did a mastering the basics on some short and medium term planning and if we set next year's goals at a certain revenue amount, a certain profit amount, a certain number of jobs and things like that, that is a hundred percent dependent on all of us working those hours. And just like if I was gone for 15% of the year, that would really affect, uh, or 15% of the time that would really affect those goals. Same thing with painters, same thing with my leadership team and everything else. So, um, yeah, but don't plan for perfect. All right. You got to, you got to build that in. Now, what I want to do is I also want to control it the best I can, or at least incentivize my people uh, to, to have that curve flatten out a little bit. That's why 30% of somebody's ability to get a bonus is just showing up for work. And if honestly, the last time we did goal setting and review meetings, there were a couple people who didn't get raises. the only reasons they didn't get raises because they didn't work enough hours and they didn't work. I mean, there's only 500 working hours per quarter, which is equivalent to 50 working days in my company. People were missing it by 40, 50, 60 hours, four, five, six working days. And uh, that's a lot of days off. And at some point, you know, we have to reward the people that do honor their commitments. I committed to giving you 40 hours a week plus. You committed to working 40 hours. There's a basic, like, our first core value is trust. We have to trust that that relationship is going to be intact. And I want my people to make a lot of money, get a lot of benefits, but I also want to help my clients. And if somebody misses seven days of work every quarter, and we're only working four days a week, you're missing 55% of the possible working days in a year, 55% of the days in a year, you're half off. And that's not serving our clients. We make commitments to these clients and that's what jobs are uh, showing up for, for that time like that. So, yeah. All right. Questions. Let's see what we got here. <coughs> oh, my man, Zach Oshman is here. All right. Lauren Fink. Thank you for that. Uh, Zach. Are you working on anything to incentivize OT? It's been tough for us too. All right, Zach, here's the deal. There are, there's the law, right? And then there's something, I I don't want to get into like morals and things like that, but let's just call it, there's things that a boss can legally do. And there's things that a boss maybe should or should not do to, uh, that may have a, uh, a benefit or detriment to the culture of your company. In Minnesota, So we have an unlimited overtime policy and uh, it is almost impossible for us to get people to work overtime. Overtime here in my company, we're of a size where we have to start paying time and a half, 1.5 X pay after 40 hours. Um, Smaller companies usually have to wait till 50 hours, give or take. Um, I also pay for lunches, uh, things like that. We work a four day work week. So in my company, if you were to work a Friday, you'd be making time and a half for a day and you would increase your pay substantially. 20 to 30% per week. And then you would still have a weekend off. We have a lot of clients wanting a lot of work done and we're nice about it, but we can't get a lot of people to work overtime and it doesn't break my heart. It's fine. I completely understand. It would be nice, uh, especially when I talk to my people and counsel them about, uh, you know, life and uh, family and business and everything else. A lot of them want to um, purchase their own first homes. And uh, the way to do it is to stack up a bunch of extra cash and get it done for a down payment. Now, here's the thing. Um, legally, in the state of Minnesota, I can force mandatory overtime and fire people who don't take it. Business owners, <laughs> if you did not shudder <laughs> at, the, at the sound of that, you should have. Uh, if you want to ruin the culture of your company, that's what you do. Now, here's the deal. If you write that into your job description you know, there's landscapers, right? Landscapers in Minnesota only work five, six months a year. They're working 80, hundred hours a week. And then they're laid off. That's part of the employment agreement. Uh, I guarantee 40 hours a week. Uh, I try to hold my people to it and they will certainly hold me if they want a paycheck. And I tell them, eh, we don't have any work. That's not being a good boss. So we break ourselves to make sure that there's enough work for everybody like that. We cannot incentivize overtime uh and money does not fix this evidently i'm offering people 50% more pay for the same amount of work and we can't get it done moving on it's a human thing and it just is what it is um justin your work week is a great balance of work and family life yes it is uh da, 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 da. all right so any more questions let me just scan through here da, da, da. Do, do. all right man thank you guys for all wa- uh, for watching tonight uh, this has been great sorry for the choppy internet uh, it just kind of is what it is we're at the farm here uh, it is deer season good luck to all you deer hunters out there um yeah we actually did shoot uh, a small buck on our farm on opening day it was pretty great it was a good uh, good experience for me and my oldest son um Big story behind that one. We'll have to tell it for another time. But uh, good luck to everyone else. Join me for a master's class. Sign up for that PCA Business Accelerator. All you people in the comments here, you're the ones we're dog whistling to. The PCA is the lighthouse for your boats that are floating out in the ocean. And uh, this Business Accelerator is a world-class piece of training where we actually go through things like scheduling and, uh, you know, job costing and things like that and uh, keep going in depth. So thank you, everybody. This has been a 45-minute treatise on... um, on, uh, uh, on scheduling. I hope you guys liked it and look forward to more mastering the basics this winter. As we all have a little more time to work on our businesses. We'll be doing deep dives, things like that. Rick Mullins. Thank you much. John Penu. Wonderful conversation tonight. Love you so much. Uh, Juan Jimenez, uh, what's the cap on deer out there? depends on where you're at. Um, we're trying to combat, um, the potential of CWD chronic wasting disease. So in the area that I'm in, you can, uh, in some areas around me, you can take quite a few deer. Uh, you can get a tag for doe and buck, and then you can buy conservation tags for uh, additional, I think you can take five deer in Minnesota, uh, depending, but it's, it changes all over the state. They even have a different regulation, the type of gun you can use where I am versus Northern Minnesota, all that good stuff. But Thank you guys. That is not scheduled talk. We'll leave that for another time. Uh, I may even broadcast live from the uh, deer blind this weekend, but thank you guys. Have a good weekend. Uh, Have a good rest of the week. And it's good to see so many familiar faces here in the comments. So, all right, everybody. Good evening.